And we are back. Welcome back to another episode of the Deep Press Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am your host, Jesse. On this podcast, we're going to recap the Bengals' upset win over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday Night Football. Probably one of the best games of the NFL season. Lots of action, lots of drama, but our Cincinnati Bengals pulled it off on the road in overtime. So we'll talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about Jake Browning. I think we definitely have a quarterback controversy in our hands. I think Joe Burrow is in trouble for his job next year. And I think Joe Burrow, I mean, I'm sorry. I think Jake Browning is officially him. And yeah, Joe, I think you need to be aware that this man, Jake Browning, is coming. Pause. And he's going to probably come after your spot next year. So we'll talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about the Bengals running the football. Crazy, right? Eight carries against the Steelers, and they ran the ball for over 150 yards in this game. It's crazy how you run the football, and it just pretty much opens up the passing game. Just, It's just amazing, astounding, unbelievable. Right, Zach? And then we're talking about the Bengals still in the playoff hunt. Yes. I know about a week or two ago, I was saying, you know what? Playoffs is not going to happen. We just got to think about the offseason. We have to evaluate, evaluate these rookies that we have on our team. They're going to get more reps, which is true. But after this win on Monday night, I think that the Bengals are still in it. And until they're mathematically eliminated, they still have a shot. And why not then, right? Let's sneak on into the wild card spot and see what happens. But take it one game at a time. They got the Indianapolis, they have the Indianapolis and oh my goodness. I can't even talk. They got the Indianapolis Colts coming up to Paycor Stadium on Sunday. Big game. Lots of playoff implications is that. So we'll preview that game. And also, as always, we do a trivia at the end of the podcast with my guy Tommy. I think I've talked a lot so far in these two minutes of this podcast. How are you doing, Tommy? <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, you're totally right. I think we're gonna just tell Burrow to scratch up the contracts, doesn't count, and then we're good to go. Um, kidding, obviously, but I was very happy with what we saw from Browning. And even though going into the game, I was like a little more relaxed only because I felt like a little more pessimistic about the rest of our season. So I was like, eh, if we lose, we lose. It's not going to, and it's not going to like ruin my day or anything. Um, but it did the opposite of that. It was a great game to watch. It definitely was. And now I think we can say that the Bengals are, they're not back, but it's like they're still alive for a playoff spot. And these next five games, they're going to mean something. And just from the game that we watched on Monday Night Football, it just tells me that this team is going to contend. They have character in this team, obviously. They went to the Super Bowl. They went to the AFC title game last year. It's They're not going to give up, and they're not going to give in. So that's what I took from this game on Monday night. It was a character type of win, and it pretty much was them telling the whole football world that um, we're not done yet, pretty much. So, any thoughts on that before we do the Bosco recap? No, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying my very best to be a good fan and be excited about all our victories and not think about our really good draft picks slipping away. I man, I knew you were gonna say that. I'm oh, obviously always rooting for us to win, and I never want us to lose, regardless of if we're mathematically eliminated. I always want us to win games. Yeah, so. I, I I I see. I hear what you're saying, but I just felt like 
I know I was in mindset when I, I said on the podcast last week that we got to think about the offseason. We got to think about the draft. But I didn't want them to, like, tank right away. I don't want them to lose games on purpose. I want them to be competitive. And if they lose, they lose. But now it's like, you know what? Why not? True. And, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Jake Browning, too. So, And he'll also, I'm sure, be featured in both of our positive categories. But the thing with the draft pick was, like, obviously I would love a great draft pick. And the only reason I I never want us to lose games, I'm always hoping we win the games. So what I, I just honestly, with Burrow going down and how we've seen the play calling look and woes in different areas of the team for what we've seen so far this year, I just – was not convinced that we would win many of the games, even when we were trying. So, and yes, we'll talk more about Jake Browning for sure. But so I'll, I'll let it go for now. Uh, <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. All right, let's do this box girl recap. So the Bengals begin the game, they get the ball and it looked like it was a promising drive, even though their first drive, featured a lot of screen passes to Jamar Chase. I count probably like four to five in the opening drive. And on fourth and fourth, I believe Zach Taylor said, let's go for it because why not? Yeah, why not? You're playing for house money. You really have no choice. And the Bengals didn't get the fourth down conversion. So they gave the Jaguars the ball in good field position. And the Jaguars took advantage of that. They go seven plays. 51 yards, took three minutes and 49 seconds off the clock. It ended on a Travis Etienne four-yard touchdown run to make it 7-0 Jacksonville. Bengals next drive, Evan McPherson missed a 57-yard field goal. It hit the crossbar. It looked good. It had plenty of leg, but that damn crossbar. So that's unfortunate. But good thing that the Bengals defense were able to step up, force a three and out. And then the Bengals finally score on their first offensive score of the game, eight plays, 92 yards with Jake Browning at quarterback. Three minutes and 52 seconds off the clock. It ended with a Joe Mixon six-yard touchdown run, 7-7. Jacksonville, they answer back, 10 plays, 75 yards, six minutes off the clock. Trevor Lawrence found Evan Ingram for a 22-yard touchdown reception, 14-7 Jags. And then the Bengals responded. Look at that. Bengals offense responding as well. 12 plays, 75 yards, 5 minutes and 20 seconds off the clock. Joe Mixon, another touchdown run. This one was from two yards out. 14-14 game. And then Jacksonville punted. And then that was the end of the first half. So 14-14 score at halftime. I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go win this damn game, all right? Second half. Bengals forced a three and out. And then three plays. Bengals first offensive drive in the second half. It goes three plays, 84 yards, a minute, 31 seconds off the clock. On third down, Jake Seichty throws an absolute beautiful dot pass to Jamar Chase for a 76-yard touchdown reception. 21-14 Bengals. Their first lead of the game. Jacksonville answer back with a 12 plays, 84 yards, six minutes and 24 seconds off the clock. Trevor Lawrence to wide receiver, I believe it's, I don't know what's his first name, but his last name is Washington for a 14-yard touchdown reception to tie it up. He's a rookie. And on that play, I think Dax Hill had two opportunities for an interception. If Lawrence literally threw the ball to Dax, and Dax could not come up with the pick. And 
credit to Washington. He made the catch, got the feet down, but Dax, you have to come up with that. So, unfortunately, he didn't. Touchdown Jacksonville, 21-21 game. And then probably the stupidest play of the year, probably in the whole NFL, Tyler Borey. The first play after Jacksonville scored, Bengals decided, let's, let's do some trickery, right? Jake Browning throws to Tyler Boyd at the left side. Tyler Boyd thinking, I can throw that ball all the way to Mixon at the right side. But Tyler Boyd did not see Josh Allen, the linebacker. He easily intercepted it. And I thought that was pretty much game right there. You pretty much just ruined the momentum. You, you gave momentum to Jacksonville. I don't know why the Bengals called that play. Zach Taylor, you called a masterful game. But that play call at that moment of the game, when you know your backup quarterback is playing really, really good, I don't understand a trick play in that play. I have no idea. Jacksonville took advantage of it. They go four plays, nine yards, two minutes, and six seconds off the clock. Trevin Lawrence stretches the ball out across the plane for a touchdown run, 28-21 Jacksonville. Then the Bengals punted, and then the Bengals defense forced a three and out. And then the Bengals tied the game up, nine plays, 48 yards, five minutes, and 16 seconds off the clock. Jake Browning, a one-yard quarterback sneak run touchdown 28 28 and then the Jags missed a 48 yard field goal in their next possession I believe that was Brandon McManus on that drive the Jags did lose Trevor Lawrence to an ankle injury as one of his linemen stepped on him on unfortunate situation but Trevor Lawrence the man he is so flexible he was in practice today throwing so it it looked at first I was like that definitely was going to be a broken ankle. But it looks like he just sprained it. So I'm glad that that was the case for him. But unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to finish the game. And their backup quarterback, C.J. Bettard, I think I'm butchering that last name. So he came in and finished the rest of the game. And so after that missed field goal, the Bengals go seven plays, 26 yards, two minutes and 31 seconds off the clock. The key play in that drive, was on third and 22 before Jake Browning got sacked. So it's like third and 22. You're just hoping the Bengals get yards so they can get into Evan McPherson field goal range. And Jake Browning throws a eight-yard reception to Tyler Boyd to the Jaguars 36. That was a big play because McPherson nails a 54-yard field goal. 31-28 Cincinnati. And then the Jags quarterback, Backup quarterback, C.J. Bethard, comes in. He goes on a nine plays, 53 yards, two minutes and two seconds off the clock. And McManus redeems himself after missing his last field goal with a 40-yard field goal, 31-31. Bengals try to get in field goal range at the last seconds of regulation, but couldn't as time ran out. Overtime. And the Jaguars won the coin toss, so I'm thinking to myself, great. But shout-out to the Bengals' defense. Jaguars only go seven plays, 16 yards, four minutes and 58 seconds off the clock. It ended with a punt. And then the Bengals go 12 plays, 42 yards, three minutes and 17 seconds off the clock. Nick Pearson, money Mac, from 48 yards for the win, even though he thought he missed it. <laughs> Ball game, 34 31 Bengals in overtime. Final stats, Jake Browning was 32 for 37 for 354. One touchdown, no picks. He had two rushes for 22 yards and a touchdown run. 
He had a QBR of 84.0 and a rating of 115.5. That's like Joe Burrow numbers. That's like Madden numbers. Crazy. Joe Mixon had 19 carries. 19 carries after only having eight against the Steelers. 68 yards, 3.6 average yards per rush, and two touchdowns. Chase Brown finally, finally gets reps in the game. And he got a lot of them, and he made it happen and made it count. Nine carries, 61 yards, 6.8 average yards per rush, and a long of 31 yards. Jamar Chase, he's the best receiver in the league. I like Justin Jefferson, but I think Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the NFL. I like Tyreek Hill, too. But something about Jamar Chase, whenever he catches the ball, his yards after catch, if you don't if you don't tackle him like at the first step, you're you're done. You're done. This man's just like he's unbelievable. Eleven catches, one forty nine, one touchdown, and he got twelve targets. That's what I want to see. Targets right there. I want Jamar Chase to at least get twelve to fifteen targets. He got twelve in this game. Joe Mixon had six catches for forty nine yards. Tyler Boyd had five catches. 37 yards and an interception. T. Higgins coming back from his hamstring injury. Three catches, 36 yards. Tanner Hudson, four catches, 35 yards. Really, really like Tanner Hudson. And honestly, I feel like the Bengals need to keep him next year and maybe just get rid of Irv Smith Jr. respectfully because that assignment or experiment has not worked out. For the Bengals defense, as you know, they're not really good this year especially against the run. But in this game, Jacksonville only had 71 yards rushing. Coming into this game, I thought Travis Etienne Jr. was going to have 500 yards of rushing. He didn't. So, shout out to the Bengals defense, Jordan Battle, Trey Henderson, Sam Hubbard, Joseph Asai, each had a sack. DJ Turner had a good game. I thought the Bengals tackled well on defense. I watched the All-22 much better tackling in this game. I think it's the best tackling game the Bengals defense have had in weeks. So that was good to see. And yeah, that's pretty much your box girl recap of this shocking, unbelievable, amazing win over the Jacksonville Jaguars in Monday night football. Tommy, you got anything to add before we go to our positives category? Nope. It was a great recap as always, and finally a fun one to watch. I also think that for a primetime game, for some for a game that I thought we were going to, if we were going to win, well, I thought if we might lose by double digits, to be frank. So I am glad that on a primetime game, one, we won the game, and two, it made for actual like good football to watch. And it wasn't just like flag after flag and like yep. boring. So unlike tonight's game. We'll it's crazy that I saw a stat that the Bengals were on their in their record on road Monday night football games, there were three and twenty. <laughs> three and twenty. And they came into this game with a nine game primetime Monday night football losing streak and they broke it on on this one. That's crazy. <laughs> Listen, to be fair, most of those were probably Andy Dalton. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I I think when he left Cincinnati, I think, wasn't he like 1-10 in 10 on primetime games? I don't know Something how much like those that. were on the road, but... Something like that. It's just, 
every time any darn played on primetime, it's like you knew we were going to lose. You knew the lights and the stage was just too much for that redhead, respectfully. It's just, no, no. So I'm glad that I can't believe out of all the quarterbacks in Bengals history, I didn't think that Jake Browning was going to beat and snap that streak. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. But I am very happy he did. And he looked like a poised veteran out there. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's my first positive. And Jake Seisty, downtown Jake. Um, well, I don't know how many nicknames the Bengals locker room were giving Mr. Brownie. It was all well-deserved. The Bengals offense had 491 total yards. I, I was going to be happy the Bengals offense hits the 300 mark in this game. But almost 500 yards of total offense in this game. Crazy. Jake Browning, you deserve another standing ovation because I, none of us saw this coming at all. You were named AFC Player of the Week, well-deserved. You had the fifth-highest completion percentage in a game in Bengals history, 86.5. You had the most passing yards out of all the quarterbacks in Week 13. Also, there's a list of quarterbacks with 350-plus passing yards and 85% completion percentage. Yo, I can't talk. I'm just so excited to talk about Jake Browning. In a game over the last 20 years. So here are the quarterbacks. So we got Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Jake Browning. <laughs> just incredible. And it's just, it's wild because in the beginning of the game, I understand – okay, I didn't understand at first why the Bengals kept throwing screens. And I know they're trying to get Jamar Chase involved, but some of those screens were not – all those screens weren't working. There were only, like, two-yard reception screens. And I'm like, Zach, I'm about to lose it. But then I realized maybe they were just trying to get Jake maybe just warmed up, get Jamar Chase going so, you know – to develop more, I don't, it was just felt like the second quarter, they finally took shots down the field. Maybe the first quarter was just a warm-up, and honestly, it paid off. It really did. And the Bengals' first touchdown drive, Jake Browning threw a pass to Drew Sample. Drew Sample deserves a stand ovation because that man is so underappreciated. He is the best tight end blocker in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. And he just knows his role. But Jake Browning on the rollout, he threw a real a dime to Drew Sample over a linebacker. I was like, yo, that looks like Joe throwing that ball. I was like, that's Jake Browning. He's throwing that dime to Drew Sample like that? I was like, wait a minute. Is that Burrow's brother? Like, I'm like, what is going on here? It, that was just crazy. And it just felt like after the first quarter, Jake was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take this game over, like, lean on me, lean on Jamar and the running game. We got this. In the second half slash overtime, this man was 15 for 19 for 176, a touchdown, a touchdown run, and a 122.8 passer rating. Just incredible stuff for Jake Browning. Another positive, Jamar Chase, like I said on the box score recap, he is the best receiver in the NFL. He passed the 1,000 receiving mark for the third straight year. And this is a sixth career game with 10 receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Six. This is year three for Jamar. He's done it six times. Just incredible 
by Jay Chizzy. And then the offensive line played really good. They allowed two sacks, but honestly, it didn't felt like Jake Browning was – he didn't really get pressured a lot. And Ted Karras had one of his best games in pass pro. He had 43 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks allowed, and zero pressures allowed. So, well done to the offensive line. I watched all 22. I thought Cordell Wolfson had a really decent game. Alex Kappa was up and down during this game. But overall, though, line did well. Land of Brown Jr., he pancaked somebody. And I was like, geez, he just threw that dude to the ground. I was like, damn, okay. So, well done, O-line. And then, as we talk about the defense, stopping the run, only allowing 71 yards on the ground to Jacksonville. DJ Reader played his best game of the year. He had six quarterback pressures. He had a 34.6% pass rush win rate and a 91.9 pro football focus grade. Season high for him. And then Jordan Battle and DJ Turner, the rookies, have stepped up during the second half. And DJ Turner, he was mic'd up for the game. He was talking shit. And I'm like, that's a rookie, guys. And there was one play where he showed off his 4.2 40 speed and, like, just drilled. I believe it was Evan Ingram. And he was just saying, yeah, sit your ass down, boy. And I was like, whoa. Yo, I was like, okay, if you, if you guys get a chance to listen to the mic up. I was like, wow. And then Jordan Battle is just – he is he plays with passion. Like I said, he he's from Alabama. He, he, he was pretty much like the guy when it comes to that defensive room. And Jordan Battle just loves football. You can tell by his passion. And playing in Alabama, playing with Nick Saban, best college football coach in history, it's just he's brought that attitude – to the Cincinnati Bengals locker room with his play. And I felt like the defense were in, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Motivated by that. And they were like, you know what? Jordan Battle's playing that hard. You know what? I'm going to tackle great. Mike Hilton had a good game tackling as well. Overall, the Bengals defense tackled well. Without CTB, who was put on IR with an ankle injury, they needed those two rookies to step up, and they did. And then Evan McPherson, Hitting the game-winning field goal. He thought he missed it. He thought, damn, this game's going to end the tie. But clutch field goal by Money Mac before overtime. And he would have hit that 57-yard field goal if that damn crossbar wasn't there. But he deserves kudos, and he's in my positives as well. And then the running game, just like 31 carries for 156 combined between Joe Mixon, Chase Brown, and Jake Brown. He got 22 yards rushing. But crazy so that's pretty much my positives i really didn't put any negatives because i just want to talk about just the positives because there's a lot of good that that came out of this game obviously you can look that there's so some shit that they need to correct but overall i thought that no one saw this result coming so we're gonna stay positive here so that's pretty much it what you got my guy i'll start with my positives so Jake Browning, again, I'll I'll start with him. Crazy completion percentage. He was actually throwing it all over the place. And I know last week when we were previewing this game, I figured that he would take a leap at some point and, like, definitely get better or at least, like, a serviceable backup. Yep. Hopefully, though, like, my criticism of him during the Steelers game is he just didn't look very settled. He didn't look very good. He was staring down every single receiver, and he flipped and did an entire 180 this week for the guy I saw play last week live. So I'm so happy that he did that. 
I'm glad he has it in him. It's it's shocking to me that he threw 91 touchdowns his senior year of high school, and he was a top five or six Heisman finalist at a Power 5 school that was ranked very highly when he played there and went undrafted. Like, that's so weird to me that, like, he's – He's clearly not a scrub by any means. The opposite of that. He's very talented. He might get himself a Matt Flynn contract after this year. But I just don't understand how a guy like that goes undrafted. But he looked poised. He looked like the absolute perfect Burrow backup because he's poised, cool under pressure, just making the right throws and trusting the offensive line, which brings me to my next positive, which was the offensive line for today. We blocked for our running backs for the maybe the first or second time this entire year. Excellent job by them. Browning only got sacked twice, so they held up in both pass and run situations, which was excellent. On the defensive side, I like the guys you specifically pointed out. Um, Jordan Battle, I think, is setting the tone. He's an, even as like a rookie of such a sure tackler, and DJ Turner can fucking run, dude. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But the run defense, I'll give even more credit to because we finally stopped the run very, very well today. And Travis Etienne is a very good running back, and Trevor Lawrence can run around when he needs to also. So I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that we had our, our best run defense game of the year where this was the only time this entire season where the other team has averaged less than three yards a carry. So... I'll show that off a little bit more later because um, I pulled some stats for that, but far and away the best like average run per attempt that our defense has, has been able to allow this year. And honestly, I, you, you know me, I like to, I like to shit on Zach Taylor. I like to shit on the play calling and I do believe that it is justified. So I don't mean to say that it's not justified, but I also like to give credit where it's due and I feel like the play calling minus about three or four plays was really, really good. And that was what frustrated me last week with Jake, with Jake Browning against the Steelers was why are if, – if you believe in the kid and you believe that your offensive playbook that you have set up is a good one and you think that it can actually do well against defenses, let him fucking run it. Why, like, why are we doing screen route after screen route and dump off and plays that are not going to help a quarterback who is making his first NFL start? Like, I feel like we didn't help him out at all last week. So the positive is that we actually did help him out this week, and we called a very, very good game top to bottom on both sides of the football. I know that the the Jags ended up scoring a decent amount, and there's definitely some, some uh, passing stats that are in the negatives column, but... The, the run defense was awesome, and we ended up getting a win. So that's a positive. Jamar Chase, I mean, it's almost like – I mean, I'm not, but it's almost like taking it for granted how good this guy is. Because, <laughs> like like you said, six games with 10-plus and 100-plus and a touchdown and three straight 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career. Even though he missed several games last year, he still got to 1,000, like – He's so good, and there's not even much else to say about that. I'm just – there was 
I'll be totally honest. When when we were drafting in the 2021 draft, I wanted Panay Sewell so badly because our <laughs> offensive line was terrible, and I thought that we were going to have Joe Burrow career-ending injury in his second season. But we totally made the right draft pick, and I'm glad that they went with their gut on that one, um, knowing that he would be an insane addition and we'd figure out the line at some point. So amazing. This game was actually really fun to watch. Um, a lot of fun plays, good back and forth. No one was getting blown out, and it was it was just a good battle. I wasn't expecting such a battle from Trevor Lawrence and Jake Browning, but I loved it. And it was a fun game to watch and good to get um, in the in the win column once again. And finally, 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 Zach Taylor has listened to the podcast and ran the ball more this time. <laughs> I don't. I mean, Chase Brown had nine carries for 61 yards, which is 6.8 yards per carry. The entire season before that game, he had two carries. And you and I, we've been saying this for weeks. Like, why do we have him on the roster if we're not going to use him? Joe Mixon, he his, I mean, yards per carry wasn't insane. It was about four, 3.9, I think. But he had two touchdowns, and we still gave him 19 carries. So 28 total carries between the two of them. I'm a big fan of that. It resulted in a win. Um, I know there's not a direct correlation, and I think I sent you a stat. I'm going to butcher it right now, I think, because I don't have it pulled up. But the Bengals this year in our, I think, three wins, maybe it's three road wins or something. Like, our, oh, wait, wait, wait. It's the only time we've scored more than 30. Than 30. We had 29 rush attempts, 30 rush attempts, and 31 rush attempts. Incredible. It's like the answer is so clearly right in front of our face that it's it's shocking that no one has decided that this was a better idea until to, until a few nights ago. So I'm very happy that we actually did it this time because I, I know one thing I was so mad about on our last podcast was what – What's the point of having all these running backs on your roster if you're not going to use them? What's the point of drafting them two years in a row if you're not going to use them? And also when it's a rainy game with your backup quarterback making his first career start, why are you running the ball less than 10 times? So I'm glad that we finally did the opposite of that and um, finally made some good decisions with running the ball. So lots of positives. Um, I do have some negatives. Do you actually have no negatives? Do you want me to go into mine or do you have some? I think the only negative I have, by the way, those are good positives. I think the only negative I have is sometimes Zach Taylor, he was he was in his bag in this game. But those two oh. trick plays, the first one where Jake Browning threw Jamar Chase and then Jamar Chase was going to throw to Jake Browning, I was like, wait, huh? Like, what, what are we <laughs> – I, I felt like that play when it was developing, I'm like, I, I really believe Jamar Chase was like, was he? I don't know if he was. A, I don't know if that play was supposed to go to Jake Browning. I don't know, but he was looking at him at the left, and I was like, "No way!" That that was that was stupid. I'm like, "All right, I'll just chalk that up as just a stupid play call. Move on from it." And then Zach was still in his bag, and then the Tyler Boyd one. I already talked about it. I just I don't understand why Zach always in games where things are looking good. And he tries to get too cute with his play calling. It's like, don't do that. You're he, that that play call literally could have cost the Bengals the game right there. And I know he would have been the first person to go up in that presser after the game and say, you know what? 
I screwed up, blah, blah, blah. He, he would have just said that, all that. I would have been like, I'm out. No, no, no. Screw you, man. But I just wish that he doesn't do that. Like, just keep calling the play calls that you want to call. I feel like the, the play calling that he called on Monday Night Football, I feel like he they just they just took everything in their play sheet, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to dish them all out. And it worked. So I don't want any of the cute play call shit when things are going well, don't ruin that momentum. So that's pretty much the negative I have. So you can go with, you can go ahead with yours. No, I'm 100% with you. That's actually the, the first negative I have on here is literally I wrote the words. We're still trying to be cute in situations where we don't need to be. And I mean, the play calling was working. Like, again, credit to Zach Taylor. He actually called a very, very good game on offense almost the entire night other than these two pass attempts. Like, you already have one franchise. You have your franchise quarterback injured. Don't run the goddamn Philly special. What are you doing? Like, and so on the two pass attempts from Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, it was one for two for negative seven yards and one pick. So it's like, just let the fucking guy that knows how to throw the ball, throw the ball. So that's just frustrating. And it's always, we're always trying to be cute in like bad times of the game, in my opinion. Like if you do it in the fucking first quarter, because you just want to try to get out on a crazy note and like get some momentum for your team. I'm actually all for that because there's a lot of game left to be able to like fix it. But like, what are, why are we doing it so late in the game? (laughs) Um, The... The next negative I have is more from like a fan perspective is just that like the inconsistency week to week is just frustrating as a fan because I truly have no team, no idea which team is going to show up every single every game I watch. Like never would I in a million years have expected Jake Browning to put up over 300 yards, 85 percent completion, um, no turnovers. So <laughs> And Zach Taylor called an excellent game. We ran the ball really well. So it's just, and then, you know, next week we're going to lay an egg and do something stupid again. (laughs) Um, I hope not. I actually don't think we're going to do that, but we got to, we got to be consistent. The, the week to week being completely different football teams is just difficult to watch. And we need to be able to this year in general, seriously, the whole year. (laughs) Um, We still, (laughs) we still can't guard tight ends. As you as you called out very well last week, Evan Ingram was their leading receiver for the day with nine catches, eighty-two yards, and a touchdown, which was his first touchdown of the year. Um, all that. So I know I think you told people to to bet two tutties for Evan Ingram. He just got the one, but I mean, if you bet on any catch, yards, and touchdown for Evan I'm Ingram, probably cash <laughs> out. Um. Also, who the who the hell is Parker Washington? He had six catches for sixty-one yards and a touchdown. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't. It it makes no sense to me because like we, I mean, I guess I'm sure Lou's strategy is actually just like you want your best receiver to get the ball. He's not fucking going to. You have to beat us with some guy named Parker Washington, and then they almost did. Um, so if that's the strategy, I'm actually like fine with that. It's just funny that we. Like Parker Washington, Noah Brown, like these uh, Austin Wiley, and like uh, I know, like it's just like guys that I'm shocked are getting so many yards um, are are really going off on us. So I think it's fortunate 
but I, I, I'm glad I, I'm not. I'm not glad that this happened, but Christian Kirk, the first offensive drive of the game for the Jaguars, hurts his balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This would have been this could have been a very different game if he didn't do whatever he did. Um, I, I remember telling you you thought it was the knee, but I'm like, nah, bro. This man is holding his crotch. <laughs> that's what I, I, I was like, there was no way. There was a, it wasn't a knee. The way he landed when he when he made that catch, I was like, and then he just kept grabbing that area. I was like, nope, nope. And it was like a, what well, I forgot what was the thing you sent me today. I don't know what was the final, what was the injury? Was like a like like a testicular or something tension? I don't know. Contusion or something. Woo! Damn. Something that sounds awful to think about. Yeah. So I, I hope I hope he gets better because that I don't wish that even on my worst enemy. I don't wish that on anybody. True. Maybe the Steelers, but that's it. <laughs> um, okay, couple more negatives, but these are not like crazy negatives, just like things I was thinking of. Um, we finally did it. <laughs> I, I talk about this every week, um, but this was the first time that we've won a game while losing the time of possession battle. We only <laughs> lost it by nine seconds. It was like surprisingly basically 50-50. We had nine less seconds of possession, but... We still won the game, even while losing that battle. Um, in the last few weeks, and this week, uh, we had six penalties in this one, and I feel like we're kind of losing our touch here as a team. In the first part of the year, we were the least penalized team for the first few weeks. Overall, like from a year perspective, we still are the fifth least penalized team in the NFL. But over the last three weeks, we're the 10th most. I've so noticed that. We're, we're getting a ton of penalties the last few weeks. Um I'm not sure what the correlation is there, what that's about, but that's not the direction we want to be going later in the year. Um, and this is my my old head coming out. I'm all for I'm all for trash talk. I'm all for celebrations. But Jamar Chase, get in the goddamn end zone first, and then celebrate <laughs> all you want. I don't care what you do after that, but just get in the touchdown. I have too many like I like watching other teams and having some guy fumble on the goal line because some guy catches up to him or like you trip and stuff like that. Just like, just go in the end zone first, please. <laughs> I I hear what you're saying on that because I was like, man, so with the touchdown, you were just like, no, get in. The, I mean, you, you, were, you were saying it was great, but I understand with the taunting, you don't want to get a penalty. Right. But I felt like, Jam I felt like Jamar was just like, dude, I haven't gritty in a hot minute. And it's, <laughs> and then, you know, I've been frustrated Joe's out for the year, and I finally get a touchdown reception, a long one. So, I, yeah, I I wish that he would have not done that, but I understand why he did. I don't I don't condone it, but yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Like I I definitely get it. I just uh, I don't want that to go wrong somehow by either he doesn't get the touchdown because the taunting was too early or something like that. Like I don't want to be getting that situation. And I also just like there's. I, I, I am a big trash talking fan, but I'm also a sportsmanship fan. And that's kind of just like it's towing the line of like, I don't want I don't want people like to watch the Bengals and be like, of course, they have like those guys on their team that do that shit. <laughs> I, I like being confident. I like the trash talking, but it's like, yeah, if you're if you're like taunting and you're getting penalties called on you and you're setting your team back when it comes to field position. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want to be that type of team, but I, I get it. I get it. I get it. 
All right, so pretty much we talked about Jake Brownie. I mean, he is – he could be him. I, I, I mean, I think we already talked about his performance. It was historic. And you mentioned the Matt Flynn contract, and I was like, whoa, I remember that. Was it that who – who was Green Bay playing where he scored – I mean, it's not scored. He threw for five touchdowns. I believe it was against the Detroit Lions. I, I think I'm Googling that. Yeah. I think that's where he got that contract. And what's oh, it? Yeah. Who did he play for when who signed Seahawks? Well, he played for the Seahawks, and then I'm pretty. I might have. I might be one year off, but I'm pretty confident he signed a deal with the Seahawks, got a lot of money, and then they benched him for rookie Russell Wilson halfway through the year. Wow! Wow! Hey, you know what? His contract was still guaranteed, so he still he still got the True. money. That that one performance. The last game of the year, week 17 against the Lions, where I believe was I think Aaron Rodgers were resting. They were resting all their starters. And Matt Flynn just went off and got himself a contract. So could that be in the making for Jake Browning with his performance? But he has five games left of the season. So it's pretty much an audition for this man. But I I do want him back next year as a backup for sure. So we're gonna see how he does in these remaining five games of the season. And then we talk about the Bengals running game. It's really not that hard. It's like, I get it. There'll be most games where you can't get rhythm in the running game. You saw with Jacksonville, they really couldn't get any rhythm in the running game. ETN only had 11 carries, only 11 carries. And when Trevor Lewis, before he got hurt, was 22 for 29. So they were throwing the ball a lot more than they expected because coming in the game, Jacksonville's like, oh, shit, Bengals, worst run defense in the league. We're going to pound the rock. And then ETN couldn't get any momentum in his runs at all, no rhythm. So you're going to have games like that. But I, but the Bengals, when it comes to their play calling with the run game, it's just so frustrating because it's like they do five carries from Mixon, and that's it. It's like, all right, Joe, you're going to throw for 40. You're going to throw 40 times um, during this game. Oh, Jake Browning, your first NFL start. Joe Mixon, nah, not eight carries. You're going to – Jake Browning, you're going to throw the ball 27 times. It's like, what? <laughs> but then Zach Taylor probably was on the Twitter spaces. He's probably listening to this podcast of me and you literally yelling at him to run the damn ball. And Eureka, you run the ball 31 times, and you get over 150 yards combined with Chase Brown and Joe Mixon. It's just – just please. It's cold outside. You're, you're, Jake Brown is still a backup quarterback. Yes, he had a really, really, really historic performance in this game, but you still need to give him the chance to, to hand the ball off to the running backs. And I think Chase Brown, if he continues to play like he did on Monday night, he has explosive, especially in that 37-yard, not 37, that 31-yard run he had where he saw the hole and then he took off, paused, and I was just like, whoa. Like, those, there's an explosive run right there. It's like, Nixon will show that here and there, but that run Chase Brown had, I was like, that's the explosive run the Bengals need on the running game. That's where it is. And Zach waited till week, uh, what is this, week 13 for, to, for Chase Brown to be featured in the game. And just please, just please do not neglect the running game. I have a bad feeling in this game coming up against the Colts that Zach Taylor's like, all right, 
Ran the ball 31 times. We got the win. All right, Jake, you're going to throw the ball 40 times in this game. I, I just have that feeling, but I hope it doesn't happen. So, you have any thoughts on the Bengals running game or just in, et cetera on Jake Browning and stuff? I'm, I'm definitely excited for Jake Browning, too. And, you know, I think I was getting a little pessimistic, at least about, you know, can we actually win any games with Jake <laughs> Browning um, based on how he looked in Pittsburgh? I think the answer is definitely yes, we can win some games. Um, and the the issue is, I mean, he's on a one-year deal, and in the salary cap era, after you pay Burrow as much money as we did, rightfully so, um, he probably will want to go somewhere else if he can. Um, I'm sure he doesn't want to stay as a backup if he believes he has a shot of getting it somewhere else, but we'll see. I would love for him to stick around. I think his attitude and his poise is perfect to be Joe Burrow's backup. Just depends if he is willing to accept that role. Um, and I, I don't know truthfully how he is like as a person, if he would want to be that role or if he wants to, to use hopefully this end of year campaign, that's looking solid. If he can continue to look solid to go get himself a, a job somewhere. So, and I wouldn't blame him for doing that, but I'd love to keep him around as far as running the football. Um, Joe Mixon, I mean, two touchdowns, 68 yards on 19 carries. Awesome. Chase Brown, 6.8 yard average, 61 total yards. He looked explosive. Every time he got the ball, he was, you know, flying around. I loved it. Um, honestly, I'm still not clear why we never use Chris Evans. Um, <laughs> we actually, I mean, Chris Evans hasn't gotten a carry or a reception since the Browns game in week one. Um <laughs> I, I think we're just going to get rid of him or something because uh, he's active. Like he's not hurt. We just helped his scratch. Um, but I love, I really like Chase Brown. I was very excited about him when we drafted him. I was like, this is, this is a guy we need, especially if Mixon doesn't stay for too long. Like let's um, rein in the new era. I mean, Chase Brown, his senior year put up 1600 yards on five yards per carry. And, and this was for a team that like, dang near through like as often as they ran like in terms of yards they had his senior year they had 2700 passing yards and 2200 rushing yards wow by the way fun fact do you know who his quarterback was at the university of illinois his senior year oh my gosh i should know this is it oh my gosh i who is it Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito. Oh God! <laughs> um, another drafted quarterback that's getting some started starting reps and looking pretty solid. The savior uh, of the New York Giants. Yeah, Tommy the DeVito. savior. Um, the team's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm happy we finally are running the football. And again, if it's if it's not clear to Zach Taylor, I'll say it very very clearly. When we run the ball, we win games as easy as that and i know that like uh callahan i think was the one saying like oh, i'm not i'm not of the opinion that if we run the ball more that that means that it's gonna be more effective i'm like well clearly your offensive line is capable of it because the jags have one of the best rushing defenses in the league mm -hmm. and we exploited it and we did really well so whatever i'm proud of us i hope that we keep it in the game plan going forward i'm sure zach taylor taylor will try to use it as a uh a trick be like haha we ran all this time last week now we're never gonna run again but you think we're gonna run and we're not Ugh. 
On to the playoffs. <laughs> I just have that feeling coming up on Sunday against the Colts. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I got I got you there in the first half. I got you thinking the first half. What was that meme? What was that high school kid? Uh, whatever. Yeah. Oh. They had us in the first half. I won't lie. Right. <laughs> so, I believe, yeah, last week in the podcast, I told you guys, nah, let's not think about the playoffs. We're thinking about the draft next year and blah, blah, blah. I guess we had to look at the AFC playoff picture because the Bengals are still in it. Right now, top four seeds are occupied by the Dolphins, who are the one seed, Ravens two, Chiefs three, Jags at the fourth spot. Five spot is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and six are the Cleveland Browns. I am here for the downfall of both teams. Screw them. Screw them. Like, they they had their luck in the beginning of the season. Now it's they're starting to fade, and I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. And then the team the Bengals are playing, the Colts, hold the last spot in the AFC playoff. And then the eighth seed, you got the Texans. They're seven and five. Denver, 6-6, six and six, they got the 9 seed. Then the Bengals are the 10 seed at 6-6. Six and six. Buffalo, 6-6, six and six, 11 seed. And then I, I, I didn't want to put this team in there, but they're still in it. The Los Angeles Chargers got the 12th spot. They're 5-7. and seven. <laughs> What a disappointing team of the season. The Los Angeles Chargers right there. Um, if you look at the schedules coming up, if you're a Bengals fan, you need to be rooting for these teams. So... Probably the worst Thursday night football game coming up tonight between the New England Patriots, who are 2-10 and 10 this year, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are trash. And I'm still embarrassed that the Bengals lost to them a week ago. The Bengals, am I sorry? The Patriots are taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Thursday night football on Prime. I am looking forward to seeing the ratings for that game. It's probably going to be such a low-ass ratings. I bet people are going to tune into the NBA in-season tournament than watch this game. So we got to root for Bailey Zappi and Ezekiel Elliott in the New England Patriots. And the 2-10 and ten Patriots, by the way. Could they beat the Steelers? Fuck, I think they can. <laughs> I really think so. Because Mitchell Trubisky is going to start for the Steelers because Kenneth Pickett hurt his thumb in their loss to the Arizona Cardinals. The 2-10 and ten Arizona Cardinals win to Pittsburgh last week and beat them. So it's Trubisky versus Zappy. What a sexy matchup right there. So if Bengals fans, we got to wait for the Patriots. And then Jaguars are playing the Browns in Cleveland on Sunday. We root for the Jags. And then the Jets are hosting the Texans. We are rooting for the Jets. We're hoping the Jets can at least score five points in that game. And then the Broncos are taking on the Chargers. I think we have to root for the Chargers in that one. And then the Chiefs are taking on the Bills. I'm not rooting for any of those teams, so fuck them. So, and then you got the Bengals and the Colts. And pretty much the Bengals are in must-win mode these next five games, all right? I think they're allowed one loss during this stretch. Just one loss. That's it. You can't lose two games. If you lose two games during the stretch, you're, you're, you're not going to play them, period. And if you look at the next, you look at the next five games. You got the Colts coming up on Sunday, then the Vikings come to town next Saturday. Saturday game, by the way, and then you go to Pittsburgh on the twenty third of this month. It's a Saturday game, 
And then you got Kansas City over there on New Year's Eve. And then you end the regular season with a home game against the Browns. Whew, that game could have so much playoff implications. That game could probably get flexed to a Sunday night. It could get flexed to a 425 game. Who knows? But if the Bengals and Browns are still in the hunt for the playoffs, the last game of the season, that matchup's going to be crazy. So what do you think as you look? What is your, on a scale of the 1 to 10, what is your confidence rating when it comes to the Bengals' playoff chances? Before the Jaguars game, I gave the Bengals' playoff hopes at a 2. After this win, 5. My dare yet. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I'm I'm probably still at a three or four, if I'm being honest. Like, and it's not it it's nothing against like our team. I think just like unfortunately we're I think we're in too big of a hole. I think is the problem really because I mean when you look at these teams, five through seven right now, five through eight are seven and five, so they're already one game ahead of us. And by the way, three of those four teams that are ahead of us have all the tiebreakers against us. So we would be screwed in that scenario. I think, um, I think here's the thing. I think we can get in. I think we have to beat the Colts. I think we have to beat the Browns when we play them the next time. And we have to beat the Steelers when we play them the next time. If we win those three games, it is definitely possible because then we'd have at least nine wins just through those. I mean, we'd have to see what the Texans do. We'd have to see what the Broncos do, but we would at least have the direct tiebreaker maybe. Um, well, I don't even know. Cause like the way the tiebreaker schedule works is like for the wild card spots. If, if two, if the two teams you're comparing are from the same division, you check head to head, which we're already zero and one against both of the teams we're trying to beat out. The next one, if we end up being one and one would be win percentage against division games. We're currently over four in the division. And the next one after that, if somehow we end up tied with them again, is win percentage against common opponents. I don't know where we stack up with Pittsburgh or the Browns. Um, so it's 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 truly hard to say. I'm just not confident because I feel like everything would have to go right. The Steelers would have to shit the bed, which is very it, possible. It, it, it's good, dude. The Browns and Steelers, they're it, it's they're the collapse is happening. It's gonna ha it's happening, man. No, I agree. Like I, I, I wrote down in here that for Pittsburgh that they can't keep getting away with this, and <laughs> it, like eventually they have to start losing these games. They're terrible. Um, they have good players, but like I just as a as a unit, they're not great. And like the Browns, I mean, no quarterback. Their defense is just so good that like it doesn't even matter half the time. Um, if we beat the Colts, it changes entirely. Um, we'd still have to beat out Houston. I think, oh man, it's like, I think I'm still at, I think I'm still at a four because <laughs> I'm a little more confident than I was before, but I think too many things would have to go right for us. And originally when I was thinking about this, I was thinking that we would need to win maybe all of our games. Like we might need 11 wins this year to get in with all of the tiebreakers that we may end up losing. Maybe 10 might be 10 with a tiebreaker if we get lucky, but like 10 at the bare minimum, which means we'd have to go. What is that? Four and one, 
four and how many games do we have left? We have five games. Five. Four and one. <laughs> We'd have to go four and one or five and oh, I think to have I think four and one is the worst we can do and still even remotely have a chance to get in. Run the table. Um which again can happen, but I just <sighs> Okay. Here, this seems too inconsistent. I hear you. Here's my thing. I think the Patriots, they're the they're, they're, they're trash. Don't get me wrong. But also the, the Steelers are trash. And the Patriots have a good defense. If you did, I, I hope and I hope none of you guys watched the Patriots Chargers game last week. That like you said to me, it probably set football back another like 30 <laughs> years. That was the worst game ever. I, I, I tried to watch the highlights of the game on the NFL YouTube page, only got through a minute. It was bad. Like, I was like, what the hell is this? And the Chargers, with all those expectations and Justin Herbert, you only put up six points against the Patriots. But then here's my thing. I think the Patriots' defense is still they're decent. And the Steelers' offense, they're just – I don't know what to make of them. They still stink. And Bill Belichick's still the head coach, and I kind of low-key feel bad for the old man, but he needs to retire after the end of the season. But – I think the Patriots can beat the Steelers. That would not shock me. So that would be a big win for the Bengals. And then Jacksonville plays in Cleveland. Cleveland, they don't know who – well, Joe Flacco is their quarterback. Joe Flacco is like 89 years old. But he actually looked pretty good against the Rams on Sunday, last Sunday. But the Cleveland defense looks like they're about to fade. They allowed 36 points to the Rams. Who, By the way, Dan Ovasi thinks that the Rams are the 49ers' bigger competition in the NFC. You sent me that snap. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I I don't even I like I literally just started laughing when he said that because the graphic is that he thinks that the the Rams are the biggest threat to the 49ers in the in the NFC. And he also verbally said that nobody he doesn't think anybody is throwing the ball better than Matthew Stafford. I He's 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 trolling. He, he's definitely trolling. It's off of the bait because he is being so whack right now. But. I think the Jaguars, even though maybe Trevor Lawrence might play on Sunday, but if he does, they can definitely beat the Browns in Cleveland. I know it's a road game, but I think Jacksonville will be pissed off from losing at home on Monday Night Football. So they can win that game. That'll be a big win for the Bengals. And then obviously we need to beat the Colts, obviously. And then Texans at Jets. Texans go in this game. They beat the Broncos. They're like, ah, they're playing the Jets. And Tim Boyle, who is really trash. And <laughs> I think Tim Boyle could be better than Mitchell Trubisky. The fact that the, I can't believe I'm comparing those two, but I think the Texans might overlook the Jets, and the Jets' defense is still elite. So I think they could probably be like, you know what, this is going to be an easy win, and they might overlook them. So the Jets can definitely upset the Texans. So that'll be big for the Bengals. And then Denver takes on the Chargers and. Broncos, even though they lost on Sunday, before that game against the Texans, they were on a five-game winning streak. And Russell Wilson is having a comeback year, even though you don't think that he should be in the mention of comeback player of the year, right? I think that's what he's told me. <laughs> Wait, for who? Russell Wilson. Oh, I I don't think you should be comeback player of the year for just being asked the year before. I think you should have to like, come back from an injury or something. <laughs> I agree that he's playing a lot better this year, and I'm glad that he is, but I don't think that's, that should count. That's true. That is true. That is and true. Gino got it last year because he wasn't a starter for eight years. Facts. Facts. And Joe Burrow got it from the huge injury. Russell Wilson was just not good last year. 
So in the matchup between the Broncos and Chargers, I guess definitely see the Chargers being the Broncos, and that helps the Bengals right there. So that's a big win for that. And then, yeah, okay, Chiefs-Bills, you know, that's going to be the CBS game. It, 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 I probably won't watch that game because, number one, Nance and Romo are calling that game. So he loves him some Patrick Mahomes. He loves him some Josh Allen. So I am definitely not going to watch that game because it's going to be a jizz fest. But I guess we have to have the Chiefs win that game. And that pretty much pretty much puts the Bills' playoff hopes in life alert. So that will be big for the Bengals. So all those scenarios I just said, it can happen, but the Bengals have to focus on beating the Colts on Sunday, which we will preview this game. The Indianapolis Colts, 7-5. and five. Coming in this season, rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson out of Florida, their fourth pick in this year's draft. I thought he was going to win rookie of the year. I said that on the preview podcast before the season. And he goes down on October 8th with a season-ending shoulder injury. In comes backup quarterback Gardner Minshew was probably, you can say, the best backup quarterback in the league, but I think Jake Browning has something to say for it. Gardner Minshew versus Jake Browning is probably really a decent matchup this week in the NFL slate. Yes, we got Mahomes and Allen, but Minshew and Browning, I think that's number two, baby. So far, Minshew this year, 2,284 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 picks, and a rating of 83.7. And then the running back crew, Jonathan Taylor, before the season, he wasn't hurt, right? He had, like, contract disputes. Is that right? Was he holding well, out? It was contract things first, and then he got hurt, and then they were speculating on how hurt he really was and if he oh. was doing it for contract stuff. But then they right. gave him the new contract, and he came back shortly after that. So Right, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, he has a 100 carries on... 415 rushing yards and four touchdowns. But Zach Moss is having a really good year. You can say career here for him. 723 on the ground and five touchdowns. So the Bengals will need to stop the run in this game, hopefully. And then the Colts receiving crew is led by Michael Pittman Jr. He has 889 receiving yards and four touchdowns. Josh Downs has 51 catches for 580 and two touchdowns. And then Alec Pierce. UC Bearcat. Unfortunately, UC football had a really, really, really tough year. Um, we'll talk about that in like in a later podcast. But Alex Pierce this year, 25 catches for 391. He had his first touchdown reception last week in the overtime win against the Titans. And then obviously we got to talk about the tight ends because the Bengals can't guard a tight end for shit all year. For the Colts, they got Kylan Granson, who has 20 catches for 247 yards receiving and one touchdown this year. His best game was, oh, last Sunday, three catches, 72 yards, 24.0 average yards per catch. So Granson's probably thinking, man, I could have a career day on Sunday against the Bengals. I hope not. And then another tight end is Devin Ogletree, a name that you probably are familiar with, nine catches, for 147 and two touchdowns for him this year. His best game was four for 48 for a touchdown in the overtime loss they had against the Los Angeles Rams. And then I was looking at the Colts defense. It's actually not a bad unit. They have 42 sacks this year. They're led by defensive end Samson 
these names, bro, these last names. I'm going to butcher this again. Ebukum. He has eight sacks this year. And then you're probably all familiar with linebacker Zaire Franklin. He has eight solo, eight solo, 80 solo tackles. He has a half sack and two forced fumbles. Cornerback Kenny Moore, the third or the second, I'm sorry. He's going to probably get the assignment of guarding Jamar Chase. He has 59 tackles this year, three interceptions, and five pass deflections. <laughs> in a game against the Carolina Panthers, the worst football team in the league, <clears throat> he had two pick sixes. And I remember watching that game on Red Zone, and the announcer was saying, Kenny Moore, the second, has one interception return for a touchdown. And as soon as they went to that game, he did it again. And I was like, holy hell. So that's going to be a good matchup between him and Jamar Chase. And then they have another defensive end name that I'm probably going to butcher, but Deo Ode Lingabingo. Holy hell. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half sacks and two forced fumbles. And then Julian Blackman, their safety, has 58 tackles, three picks, and seven pass deflections. He's actually a really good safety. And as a team, they have two. They have two. They have 12 interceptions so the Colts they have a sneaky good defense so the Bengals offense will have to be on their A game in this game and then the keys in this game please do not shy from the running game all the success you had on Monday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars please do not screw it up by don't even make it a focal part in this game on Sunday run the football okay you can run a football against this Colts defense. The Colts' run defense is not really good. I look at the stats through their games this year, 12 of them, and other than two games, they have allowed their opponent to rush for over 100 yards. This is a good game and a good matchup for the Bengals' running game. Please, Zach Taylor, please, please don't, don't. And then we're going to see how Jake Browning does in – can he – He's not going to repeat the performance he did on Monday Night Football. I don't see that happening, but I just want to see consistent play from him, making good throws, and don't hold him back, Bengals, meaning Zach Taylor, Brian Let him continue to sling the football. He's a confident guy. He's always been confident. You just let him down against the Steelers in his first NFL start. Don't let that happen these remaining five games of the year. And then for the defense, <clears throat> force turnovers, please. Get to Minshew, all right? Make him uncomfortable and continue to tackle better. You had a really good tackling game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Please let that momentum carry to this game and beyond. And then your favorite stat, Tommy, win the time possession. That means run the football. You continue to extend drives, get first downs, move that chains, keep Minshew and that offense off the field. And then obviously – Stopping the run, cashing in on the red zone, seven over three. That's what the Bengals did in their red zone trips. They cashed in with two touchdowns with Joe Mixon running. Remember, touchdowns over field goals. And please don't let this coach tight end, with all due respect to what's his face name? Hold on, give me a second. Um, let's see, let's go back to my notes. Uh, Kylan Grandson, no disrespect, my guy, but Bengals, please do not let this man have a career day. Please don't. <laughs> I'm not confident in that, but just please do not let that happen. And I think the home crowd's going to play advantage. It's it's a big game. 
a lot of playoff implications for this one. Colts fans are obviously going to travel, but I think the Bengals fans that are going to be attending the game need to be loud, make it a good home field advantage for the team, and just get the W. That's all that matters. It doesn't have to be pretty. You get the W, and you just continue to get better week by week, and then you just continue to hopefully improve your playoff positioning in the AFC. So what do you got, my man? Yeah, I like all your points, and I think that if we execute on everything you just said, then we'll be then we can get another win in the books. And I like that it's yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm ex- I'm hesitant to be excited about it, but it's I'm hoping it'll be another fun <laughs> one to watch. Um I'm hoping that we can stop the run two weeks in a row. Um <laughs> that's probably <laughs> I'm just going to – I'll be quick about this, but, like, before the Jags week – so the Jags, they averaged 2.8 yards per, per carry. Far and away the best we've ever done. Starting with the Browns, every year this is – or every week, this is how many yards per attempt every team against us got. 5.2, 4. 4.8, 5.5, 5.2, 6.5, 3.5 against the Seahawks. Good job. 5.1, and 4.6. So it's like, we've really only successfully stopped the run once, maybe twice (laughs) the entire year. So can we do it two weeks in a row? Who knows? Maybe we've figured out some philosophy that works for us on the run defense. And um, I mean, Sam Hubbard is one of the best run defense, run defense, Mm -hmm. defense ends in the league. Um, So maybe we just need to figure that out and let him, let him run loose on those and we got to get sacks and pressure. Gardner Minshew probably is the best backup in the NFL um, from a longevity standpoint too. Like he's been a backup in three different places and has done pretty well every time he gets a shot at it. So, um, but he's still a backup quarterback. He's not near as dynamic as Anthony Richardson would have been. So I think we can win this game by forcing a couple turnovers. It's what our defense does best. And um, we'll just see. I think we need to stop the run on their end. I think we need to emphasize the run again on our end. It opens up the play action for Jake Browning, gives hopefully our offensive line can hold up and give him solid pockets to let him go through his progressions. We talked about this, but I was happy to see Jake Browning actually, one, have time to, and physically just go through his progressions this last week and not just look at the first route he sees and throw it there, throw a bad throw. So (laughs) I'm hoping we see more of that as he just gets more and more comfortable. Um, This is going to end up being a really important game. Um, I know we have a lot of divisions and tiebreakers stuff that we're going to need to worry about, but at the end of the year, when we're looking at our record and looking at the tiebreakers, I think if we don't have this tiebreaker and we have to climb a hole in the division and in the conference, I I think I think you're right. I think every game from here on out is a must win or it will get very dangerous for us getting back into the playoffs. So, we'll see. I'll keep the I'll keep the option open for now, but we'll see what we can do. I'm looking for run defense, run offense and we need to Pump the brakes slightly on the Jake Browning thing, only because I don't want Zach Taylor to think that he is the second coming and throw <laughs> the ball a hundred times again. Just give him 
opportunities to throw the ball into good route trees and let him make good decisions. And the dude can throw, so you don't have to, you know, scrap half the playbook because he can't run half of it. The dude can throw every throw you need to. He can move around. Let's hope the pocket holds up and call a game to win. And if you're going to call the cute plays, for the love of God, do them in the right times. <laughs> Please. That's all I got. Uh, I just have a feeling this game is going to come down to which team has the ball last. It just it screams a 23-20 final score. It really does. It, it feels like it's going to be another walk-off field goal. It could be for the Bengals, could be for the Colts. I just don't know. But it's going to be a highly contested game. The anxiety between both teams are going to be on a high and also for both fan bases. So I am actually looking forward to watching it. And I saw the announcing crew for this game. It's CBS D plus crew. So I'm like, damn, that's unfortunate. So I'm probably might put the game on mute, but we'll see about that. So, all right, man. Trivia before we get out of here. What do you got? I think I did pretty well last week. I got the first trivia answer right. Yeah, true. So I have, this is more of just like a fun fact. So like, I'll be very shocked if you get this right, but I'm, uh, I think it would be, we'll start with the hard one. So CJ Stroud right now is leading the league in passing yards. When was the last time a rookie quarterback led the league in passing yards? Oh man. <sighs> hmm. Dan Marino. <laughs> 1939. Get out of here. What? Davy O'Brien. Davy O'Brien. Yeah, the Davy O'Brien Award for the best college football quarterback award. Wow. Apparently, that was the last time. Um, I'm shocked, too, that no one has done it since then, but. Um, thought you were going to say Clifford. Thought you were going to say Anderson. <laughs> the same thing. 1939. All right, this one, um, I think. I think you can get at least one of them. So, shockingly, maybe not shockingly, but the Bengals are still number three in the NFL in turnover differential. Can you guess either of the two teams ahead of us? Probably teams that are probably like, what? All right, Commanders? No. All right. Um, Dolphins and Vikings? No. Um, Okay, one more. Uh Giants and Raiders. <laughs> so, here I'll get I'll give you a hint. One is a team that many people or some people, including myself, think are the best team in the league right now. Oh, yes, who will pick the Ravens? Uh, other conference. Oh, Niners, Niners. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my Super Bowl pick for well, not a Super Bowl pick, but I think they're gonna win the Super Bowl if they're healthy. And then the other team. I think is probably the team that you would be most pissed about being ahead of us. Ravens, the Steelers. Somehow, is he? It's the lucky shit, man. It really is. This is unbelievable. I, I mean, I I don't know all of the like, I I don't know every single time this has happened, but this has to be one of the worst above five hundred football teams. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like this, they're not, their offense is terrible. And we lost to them. And we lost to them. We'll probably do it again. I swear, it, <laughs> this team, the Bengals better not lose to the Steelers when they play each other 
two and a half weeks from now. It better not happen. I swear. Just sucks that we have to play them in Pittsburgh the next time. Man, going into that stadium does not intimidate me anymore. That fan base, they, 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 they checked out, man. I know a Steeler fan that is a diehard and a Steeler fan that I actually respect. He's like, dude, I wish we were like 0-17. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it's terrible, man. But no, I... Uh, I swear we we'll, we'll we'll get to that game when it comes. So, all right, man. It's been a really really good podcast. I feel like the vibe is better than the last podcast because you know we were very upset to losing to the Steelers and we were already thinking about the off season. But with this game and how shockingly the result was, it maybe we're um, a little bit optimistic, but cautiously as well. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I think cautiously optimistic is once again the theme for the Bengals season. <laughs> one game at a time, one game at a time. So as always, there's always going to be an instant reaction podcast after every Bengals game, including this one on Sunday. So hopefully it's a winning edition of the instant reaction podcast. And yeah, me and you, Tommy, will be back on probably, I don't know when next week, but hopefully a recap uh victory and the march to the playoffs i'm trying to i got i got i got i got to dial it back like i don't want to get too hopeful and then they lose on sunday on some bullshit and it's like oh coming into this podcast next week it's over <laughs> <laughs> i don't want that vibe so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pull back just a little bit pause and just be like all right all right just one game at a time got anything else to add before we leave <laughs> No, I think we're good. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's fun to watch once again. Hopefully so. All right, my man. All right, guys, we are out. Appreciate you guys listening to this podcast throughout the year. I, last week, everyone was posting their Spotify wrap up, and I'm like, y'all, I don't give a shit. But there's people out there that put this podcast as like their top podcast number one fans. To you guys, I appreciate guys. I might do a giveaway. I might do a giveaway. I don't know what the hell I'm going to give away with my low-budget money that I have, but I will. I will. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. We're out. Love you guys. Peace.